Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of RealCom Live. So good to be here. Um, we have got a phenomenal show for you today. Um, my phrase for this week's episode is walk the walk uh, and not the talk. So uh, what we're going to be talking about today are uh, the tours that we're going to be having at RealCom and IBCon, as we have done for the last 15 years at the conference. And uh, when we go to the conference, we obviously get into a lot of rooms and have a lot of conversations. These are the field trips where we put you in buses and we literally take you out to see the innovation that we talk about in those rooms. And uh, because we're in Las Vegas, it's going to be extra special this year. I mean, I always knew that Las Vegas was an innovative city, always pushing the envelope from the hospitality side. But because you know we are in Las Vegas this year, we started looking into uh, the details and doing some research. And some of the projects that we saw were absolutely phenomenal. And you're going to get a chance to get a sneak peek at them today. And then uh, when you come to the conference, you'll be able to sign up and get in that bus and actually go see these things firsthand. So let's bring um, uh, out our, um, our graphic, Ian. And let me just kind of give you a little idea. So these are five projects that are really defining uh, innovation in the city of uh, Las Vegas. There's another dozen, which we, we will be talking about the conference, but Area 15, this immersive digital next-gen real estate project, boxable homes, uh, factory-made, assembled uh, homes that can be um, taken to a site and built in, in a matter of hours, Halo Car, uh, a new way of thinking about autonomous vehicles, View Las Vegas, a studio event center, I call it an immersive space that is really redefining um, uh, real estate and how we use it. And last but not least, Resorts World, which I've been in a lot of resorts around the world. And this one is at the top of the list in setting standards. So let's bring on our guests and I'm going to introduce. Hello, everybody. How are you? Hey. Hi. All right. Hi. So good. Uh, so excited to have this conversation. So just to get us started, uh, we've got Jason Soto, Director of Strategic Projects. View Technologies, uh, Tina Matson, Director of Concierge Resorts World, Richard Perks, Director AV Infrastructure Resorts World, Anand Nandakamur, Founder and CEO of Halo Car, and Kelly Campbell Smolin, Director of Special Events Area 15. I can't tell you how grateful I am that we've got you superstars all together in one place because I know how busy you are. Um, mm -hmm. so, so thank you for coming on today. So because we only have you know, 15 or 20 minutes uh, and your projects, we could probably do an hour show on each. Um, what I'm going to ask you to do is to um, start um, with a brief introduction of yourself. Just give us a little history of you know, where you came from and how you ended up with this idea or at the company you're with. And then maybe a couple minutes on the project itself. We'll get through everybody and then we're going to come back for some questions. And we'll start with Anand. Hello, everybody. My name is Anand Nandakumar. I'm the founder and CEO of Halo Car. And essentially, the vision of Halo is quite simple. It's to transition the world away from gasoline cars to all electric. I'm originally from India, born and raised. And uh, I moved to the US about 15 years ago. And I was educated in England. So where, where did the idea come from? Yeah, it's uh, quite interesting because my passion for my life or vision for my life is to find a way to transition the world away from gasoline cars to electric without the need of owning cars. And that's why I joined Uber in the first place, led their autonomy teams to find a way to make all cars electric and autonomous and then left that to now start Halo. Oh, so you're hit, you're, you started your journey at Uber. Yes, I did. Were you part of the movie? <clears throat> 
<laughs> I was not part of the movie. <laughs> I have a I had, don't have a face for the for the, the screen, but I have a face for the radio. <laughs> All right, very very good. So, can you give us a little description on on the Halo concept and, and how it might be the same or different from other other um, companies? Yeah, if you think about Halo, it's it's a very different take on uh, driverless vehicles. When our customers go to Halo.car and request a car. We will remotely drive an all-electric vehicle with one of our trained, certified remote pilots that are all based in Las Vegas. And the goal here for them is to just drive the car to deliver a car to a customer. That's it, with nobody inside. Once it's delivered, the customers drive themselves. And one of the biggest challenges when we drive a car is finding to park. So in this case, we're telling them, you don't need to park the car. Just drop the car, walk, walk yourself out. And then we remotely drive the car instantly from that customer to another customer. So it's like a drone. You're, you're basically driving the car like a pilot would fly a drone. 100%, just like the US Army does with the unmanned drones. We do that for the actual cars in public roads. And then how many, how many cars do you have on the road at this point? We have about 20 cars right now with actual customers with revenue on hand. Uh, and we are launching the full-fledged driverless service in a very, very short time in downtown Las Vegas. Wow. Congratulations. That's awesome. Um, are, are there drivers in the car now as you're testing as well as the pilot? Yes, there's a driver in the car and a remote pilot. They're, for the most part, remote pilots driving the car, but the driver in the car, think of them as a safety driver. Mm -hmm. They don't do anything. They're just there in a worst case scenario. They take over the vehicle. And every time they end up taking over, we understand how our stack is performing, what it should have done better. And we use this as a data to improve our tech overall. So it took wow. us about four years to get here. And Vegas will be the first ever city that we will be launching. And it's a proud moment for all of us, especially in the industry, because this is the first time ever in the world a remotely piloted fleet will be launching commercially with full government regulations backing us. It's the wow. first ever. You know, and you hear about places like Dubai and Singapore and Seoul, South Korea, but, you know, and we've, we've been literally traveling the world looking for the, at these cities and to think that Las Vegas is doing so many innovative projects. And we're going to get to that later in the conversation, but congratulations to you and, and everybody involved. That That's an incredible milestone. Thank you very much. All right. Totally different conversation now. Let's go to Jason. Jason, you're looking, sitting, you know, in front of a a gorgeous looking background, which a couple minutes ago you were changing on us. And tell us a little bit about yourself and View Studios. Absolutely. Well, uh, it's an honor to be here. My name is Jason Soto, and I am the director of strategic projects for View Technologies and formerly the general manager for View Las Vegas. We are a network of uh, virtual production studios around the country. We have built and we own and operate four studios and have built 22 additional studios around the world. Mm -hmm. And our core business model is to uh, create environments utilizing this new LED technology and workflow uh, with Unreal Engine, a game engine technology, to allow people to virtualize any location um, uh, in the country, in the world, in the universe and uh, allow that to act as a soundstage for people to shoot uh, feature films, uh, to shoot episodic work for the major streaming providers, as well as to shoot car commercials. Mm. Uh, 
this technology was really brought on by Lucas Films when they uh, wanted to uh, create new worlds uh, rather rapidly and they began to use this technology for the filming and creation of Mandalorian. HBO picked it up to use to film Game of Thrones. Uh, Marvel has utilized it a lot to film uh, their movies as well. And in 2001, we wanted to make this technology commercially available to allow for mass adoption in the video production industry uh, to be able to use to uh, film a scene on the strip. Uh, rather than being in front of the Bellagio Fountains, we could put the Bellagio Fountains on the stage behind me in a digital format and create foreground elements and film that whole scene right here in an air-conditioned uh, studio. And pretty safe to say that what you're doing in that studio are going to find its ways into malls, office buildings, stadiums. I mean, this whole immersive metaverse without the goggles experience, this is not going away. No, it's not. And if anything, we're starting to see that trend happen where we've got stadium operators and arena operators coming to us uh, to look at how they can build a virtual production studio inside of their uh, facility oh, to yeah. utilize for player engagement or fan engagement. And then when there's not an activity going on in the studio or in the arena, they can utilize that to uh, create, you know, TV commercials or film pieces like that. Yeah. World is changing. And that's actually a good segue to Richard. Richard, um, you've got that responsibility of what I think is one of the, the best highest end hotels in the world, resorts world. And we're just absolutely impressed when we did our site visit over there with um, the globe and other, you know, immersive technologies that you've got throughout that property. Why don't you give us a little bit on your background and, and your role at Resorts World? Oh, hi, I'm Richard Burks, director of AV infrastructure for Resorts World. I um, started in the casino business around 1999, 1999, opening the Venetian Resort. Uh, I had to see before technology really took off. Um, it was a lot of sneaker net, which is where you have to carry your laptop everywhere and plug into systems. And, you know, I am older now. And so as, as I came to this project, which was in 2016 in the design and development side, I, w I wanted to make sure my systems, all the AV systems were fully integrated and uh, were, were um, accessible from anywhere, even home, um, airplane, whatever, that I could uh, manage my, my, my facility. Um, with with very little you know very little uh, trouble um is it safe to say that that network is top five percent of sophistication in any any resort or hotel worldwide i would say it's probably the most robust uh, full uh, enterprise solution that is in a resort i think fountain blue is going to have about the same network if not better because they've learned a lot here on this project as it was the first time you have to realize that this resort open 12 in Las Vegas with no resorts that opened in the last 12 years. Right. So a lot of, a lot of things have changed technology wise in, in that period of time. So, uh, the, uh, uh, we, we have a tremendous amount of VLANs for, for our net, for our network, for different applications for like the convention area has their own VLANs, um, for, for our audio video mm. and control as well, you know, as well as management, um, we have for the tower. We have we have our own VLANs. We actually run our a GPON system for the tower for the network, which is um, kind of a, a unique in Vegas. Not, to, not for this size of a property. 
I think it's yeah, yeah, and I think I told you before I've got somebody I want you to talk to that's going down that that path as well. Yes. So, so it's pretty safe to say that anybody going on this tour is going to be able to see something they can't see anywhere else in the world. I would say yes. Awesome. Well, I would say hey, yes. thank you so much. And then that's a great segue to Tina. Tina, you you've got a a, a different role within Resorts World. You cover other parts. What other parts of the resort? Will our folks be able to see that's not just the AV network um, oriented, but the other innovations that are taking place on site? Well, I'll definitely be leaning on Richard's expertise to really drill down into the, the nuts and bolts of it. But we will be focusing on um, more of the guest experience and how our two areas do come together. But we will be focusing on the theater as well as some of our food and beverage outlets and how we introduce technology to enhance the experience just to make things easier right. and um, bring opportunity to light where we're not minimized by hours of operation per se, um, because everyone's doing something different given what they're coming to Las Vegas for. So it's all about ease of service and it's all about making it um, accessible to to everyone and that's what i'll be showcasing we'll also be touching on the boring tunnel in vegas loop and another just, first <laughs> yes just showing guests and all of everyone that's going to be on the tour how it's connecting with the convention center so a lot of exciting things yeah. will be on the tour well and, and and if i think collectively about all the projects that projects that you are all involved with when you stitch them together and and by the way we we haven't even talked about the 5g network and and all the 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 sphere the the other uh big globe taking place by mgm i mean the the list is big and and it's like you guys are really pushing the envelope every opportunity you get um kelly another innovative development project area 15 uh we toured i'd never seen anything like it a kind of an aggregation of innovative tenants trying to do innovative things. Why don't you give everybody a little bit of your background and uh, and what the project is all about? Absolutely. So my name is Kelly Campbell. I am uh, the director of private events at Area 15. I come from the East Coast. I've been in Vegas for coming up on a decade. That's very surprising to myself as well. I said I'd give Vegas a year, but um, here we are and uh, couldn't be happier. I've been at Area 15 coming up on a year now. Previously, I was with Live Nation Entertainment for almost a decade uh, prior to coming over. My background when you look back has always been in food and beverage and hospitality in one way or another or uh, live events as well. I was with a female sports league for a while as well. So here at Area 15, we're a multiverse of attractions and entertainment, some food and beverage out. Looks like we're, yep. looks like we're yes. having a little, yeah. Yep. yeah, looks like we're having a little Sorry difficulty. Oh, that's okay. Why don't you say that one more time? We lost you a little bit. Yeah. Our, our CEO, Winston Fisher, his grandfather started Fisher Brothers in 1915. Winston purchased our land in um, 2006, and we've been able to watch it flourish for the last several years. Uh, the campus that you're going to come to sits on 15 of those 80 acres that we own, and our black box is 200,000 square feet of immersive entertainment. And also on campus, we have several other tenants in warehouse space or, or buildings specifically developed for their technology. Um, my favorite 
elements that you're going to see, which are really changing the standard of what in a meeting and event space is, would be our projection map rooms, which we have three of on campus for events. And we just opened up a conference room that's fully projection mapped as well. So really wow. excited for, yes, you to see so, that. So as far as immersive experiences, you're not seeing anything in the country, if not the world, um, that, that are better than some of the things you are all experimenting with in Las Vegas. Absolutely. And, you know, our, one of our sayings is um, Air 15 does not exist. And what that means is what we are creating does not exist anywhere else yet um, or outside of Las Vegas. Uh, we do have international pop-ups that we've been exploring with, and those are going very well and being very well received. So we're very much looking forward to the expansion um, nationally and internationally. Well, you, you make us proud, all of you, that, that you're leaning into something. And, and I actually I think Howard said it earlier when we were chatting, the pandemic actually in some ways accelerated a lot of this because it introduced the whole world to the need you know, to work or play, recreate from home. And people started experimenting. I know we, we built a, a little studio in a ballroom in Denver right in the middle of the pandemic and actually held a live event. It only had you know, 40 people at it compared to 2,500 people. And then we produced a, you know, three days of a show, which we had never done before. But, uh, you know, in hindsight, is probably one of the top career highlights for me because it forced us to look at what tools we had, all the tools you're all talking about, and, and um, really start to help to define the future. So, all right, let's take a, a brief break uh, here from one of our sponsors. And when we come back, I got some questions. We're going to have a great conversation on these very exciting tours that we're going to be having at Real Common IBCon this year. Be right back. All right. Um, so got so many questions. Let's start with the macro conversation. And then we'll start with you. We're especially because your situation is so technical and involves governance and, and a lot of safety issues. Tell me how it was working with the city of Las Vegas. And 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 did there were they leaning in? Were they kind of neutral? Were they antagonistic? I mean, you bring this big, bold idea to them. Um, what did you get? Yeah, I originally started the company in uh, San Francisco or in a Bay Area, right? So when we, we worked on it for two years there and we saw the path of commercialization and we started working with the California officials and you know Bay Area cities and well, it just wasn't moving fast enough. And that's when I realized we need to make city officials and state officials and government officials our partners, not just a someone that was gonna you know mitigate our deployment. So that's when we started working with six different states. And I came here, I still remember the day I came here during pandemic on 2021, 15th of January, I came here, met with the city officials and pitched this idea saying, in the future, nobody's going to own cars. <laughs> and they basically said, how do we make this happen? So that's when he realized that you've landed a partner and not someone that's trying to oppose what you want to do. Yeah. So that led into really vigorous, fast discussions that were very, very quick. Two weeks later, I packed my entire bags, moved here, and we started road testing in the 15th day. That's how fast we moved. And we got every, every possible support from the city in terms of getting office spaces, and warehouses, and testing conditions that we needed and secured parking lots that we needed for early days of testing. And then fast forward that, we then got started working with the DMV of Nevada and got the first ever permit in the world to be drafted. We drafted it, worked it with into the legislation wow. 
and got it passed in the legislation. Now, other states are taking this as an example, and they want to draft it after Nevada. So that's how deep. What they, I mean, if, I mean, you always think about Vegas as fun and entertaining, but to, and I know it's you know, probably a top-down um, you know approach, but um, it is it is amazing that they welcomed you with such open arms compared to other cities that had a, used to have a reputation of being innovative. You know, Absolutely. and uh, and and that shows you that that a good government partner who yeah. leans in really does make all the difference. Um, how about a resorts world? How, I mean, that's that's a huge project, all sorts of moving pieces. How did you guys interact with the city, and how important was that relationship? Um, we, I didn't really do the interacting with the city. That was all done through, uh, you know, construction, putting in, a, 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 applying for permits. Um, you know, that's really what my role was more in the infrastructure design and uh, planning. So I, I wouldn't be able. Well, to when you came up with an idea for a globe, which I had never seen anywhere in the world oh. before, nobody said you can't do that, right? Well, I didn't come up with the idea. That was our chairman, um, so uh, uh, the owner of uh, Genting Corporation. Hmm. Um, my my role is just to uh, figure out how to implement that into the property, technically, you know, how to connect that so we can we can drive signal to it and control okay. it. Uh, construction wise, there's a team that would would you know came up with the the, the structural requirements to 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 actually build it and assemble it in the in the building. Anybody else want to weigh in on the working relationship with the city? Yeah. Uh, I'll go. Yeah. Are you gonna... Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's funny. It's kind of where Anon and I uh, had the opportunity to cross paths. One of the big drivers in Southern Nevada is the Las Vegas Global Economic Alliance, the LVGEA. Mm. And essentially, they are our economic business development authority here in Southern Nevada. They work with companies, whether they're new companies that are relocating to Southern Nevada or companies that are expanding to Southern Nevada. And uh, they work with these companies uh, like Halo Car, like View, to uh, create you know, tax abatements and to um, identify incentives to help the company um, expand and make their pathway easier. Hmm. But one of the other things that they also do are um, open a tremendous amount of doors. Um, our city is all about relationships. Um, I'm a native of Las Vegas, a proud native of Las Vegas. And one of the things that really resonates in our city is uh, strong relationships, people that can open doors for you and break down those barriers so your company can get things done. And I think that the Las Vegas Global Economic Alliance, who also coordinates with the governor's office of economic development um, and all the other municipalities right, that are in town, depending on what you need. Do you need support at the power company? Do you need support with the water district? Uh, you know, a, a number of things. But um, I think that was bit, that was a real big help for uh, for View Technologies. We we've we've traveled around a lot in our 25 years, and literally from Singapore to Hong Kong and you know, Dubai and back. And um, Dubai comes to my mind, uh, where you have a senior level government official in that case, Sheikh Mohammed, and the power of yes, right? I mean, it seems like so many of our big cities right now are mired in bureaucracies and political battles and. It's so refreshing to hear that you now have a government in the city of Las Vegas that says yes first and we'll figure out 
you know, if it needs to be a no. Um, totally. And, and I, I think that's critical. And I think you're all a, uh, show the results are very positive when you let innovation go and, uh, and, you, and you see where it takes you. Um, we're going to run out of time. So I want to go around the horn one more time um, and, and we'll start um, with Kelly and go uh, backwards. Kelly, what's next for uh, Area 15? Oh, my goodness. So many things coming. So um, right now I mentioned our pop up was in Riyadh. Um, so we're continuing to expand our international presence. I know we're looking at other cities. I won't give them away and countries. Uh, but here in Vegas, we're calling it Vegas Rising as the new focal point um, because we are expanding another 20 acres of our 80 acres just north of our current building into um, District 2. We have our anchor tenant of Universal Studios, which was announced at 100,000 square feet of the coming four to 500,000 square feet. Um, I've seen the renderings and the virtual tour of this of this expansion, and uh, I'm just getting chills thinking about it. It is incredible. <laughs> um, additionally, on campus, we have some, some plans for um, other properties and other tenants to come into our main building or on the existing 15 to 20 acres that we have. We also own land, 17 acres in Orlando, and we are looking to break ground there and build um, an identical but improved Area 15 um, copy and paste kind of. God, so. You're not going to get much sleep, it sounds like. <laughs> no, I'm uh, I'm very excited for the next decade, for sure. Sorry. Very cool. All right, Resorts World. Tina, Richard, what's up? Exciting things ahead for us, for sure. You know, we are on uh, the land where Stardust used to be. So we have 88 acres to work with. And I've been in the industry 16 years now and um, at a prior at a, a large property. And sometimes that footprint is maxed out. Well, with us, we have so much space. So you can expect to see entertainment coming from us um, in the next few years, additional entertainment options. You can see more convention space, being innovative with groups. We really do want to maximize that opportunity given the location that we're at, being on the north end of the strip, right by the convention center, um, <clears throat> and also being connected to the city in the way that the loop is going to connect us. Wow. Um, we're going to leverage that. So I can't give away too much, but I know that our president and chairman have a lot in mind. Wow. Richard, what about from your side? What, what can we expect? Um, implement, implementing new technologies, of of course, as they as as they arise. Um, um, we like I said, there's a lot. Like Tina was saying, there's a, there's a lot of land here to, co to continue developing, and that's kind of where I'm looking forward to is mm -hmm. um, taking the technology that we've had had installed on, on phase one and 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 um, updating that to more current technology. Maybe uh, having having some devices. Um, you know, created just for our purpose, that's then become a new market item. So it's a, uh, there's, there's a lot of possibilities. Yeah, I just feel like I want to buy y'all some running shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, how about you? What's next for Vue? Well, you know, with, uh, with the upcoming Formula One race, as well as Super Bowl, the city is really going to be transformed. But uh, our core business is working on, and I'll throw something up on the screen behind me really quick. Um, we are, uh, we just got done with the last or the, the latest uh, Nicolas Cage film mm. that will be released in theaters at the end of July. It's a mm. film called Sympathy for the Devil. 
Um, you had the opportunity to be an executive producer on the movie. We have had the opportunity to also do some filming with Mark Wahlberg on their uh, series. And the, uh, the value of what we are doing is really catching on. So we've got a couple of feature films uh, with some big name directors that are coming to Las Vegas uh, to film their movie versus Los Angeles. And just recently, just this week, uh, I was, had the opportunity to uh, testify on behalf of the uh, largest film incentive bill in Nevada state history. Um, alongside uh, Sony uh, Pictures, um, Howard Hughes Corporation, and Bircher Development, creating two additional zones in Las Vegas, and a very large 20-year plan to bring the film industry from Hollywood to Southern Nevada with tax incentives, wow. infrastructure, companies, you name it. So we're, That's huge. we're really excited about that, yeah. And you got a lot of land to move and uh, expand. Do, a lot of dirt. A lot of dirt. <laughs> All right, uh, Anand, to you, final thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. We have a, a big, big launch coming up this summer. So we'll be the first ever in the world to launch a unmanned fleet of driverless cars on public roads that are remotely piloted. Awesome. Uh, nobody has ever done this yet in the world, so it's going to literally be give me goosebumps, man. That's like really <laughs> freaky. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be quite wild. That's going to happen first, first time here in downtown Las Vegas, and then our goal is to expand that all across the Las Vegas area, also the Nevada, and then we're going to create the same as what Kelly said, a playbook here that's going to be replicated to multiple states. We're already in deep discussion with multiple state officials and regulators and policymakers to make this as an absolute replica in other states, and then expand globally. Awesome. Well, thank you all. I can't even imagine how busy your schedules are. We're excited, on, uh, you know, not just for this episode, but the fact that you're you're going to allow us into those facilities and those projects and give us some firsthand, you know, uh, insight. Um, people taking these tours are, are very extremely lucky, and uh, it's because of people like you willing to share your great ideas. So thank you so much. I can't wait to see you in a few weeks. And um, it's going to be an exciting uh, exciting week for us when we're in Las Vegas. Thank you again. Thank you very much. Thank you. Have a Thank great you. day. Thank you. Wow. I mean, you know, we've traveled the world uh, uh, looking for innovation. I've stood on top of the Shanghai Tower, Burj Khalifa in Dubai, and it is so exciting to see it happening here in the United States, large at scale, serious projects. Uh, and in Las Vegas, it just seems to be the the pulsating place where so many of these huge ideas are going on. And I'm going to go right back to my uh, what I said before, the power of yes. Have an idea, having a vision. Is everything figured out? No. But uh, do you need to take some risks? Yes, you do. All right. So with that, let's bring on Mr. Berger to uh, give us the news for the week. Howard, how are you? Hey, I'm good, Jim. You live in great... Vegas, man. You live there. I you do. get to experience this. Yeah. I've been, yeah. I mean, this is going up right. This is going up around me as we yeah. speak. Yeah, uh, it's the the pace is fantastic, and I, I'm just so happy that we could pull together Tina, Kelly, Jason, uh, Anand, and and Rick, you know, in these great projects. And, and I want to thank them for all their efforts and agreeing to host us for our special pre-conference tours, which, by the way, are on June 12th. Right. Um, right here, uh, two days before the conference. Yeah, we're going to so. get another another email out about these tours <laughs> because I think you know they're once in a lifetime opportunities. They really are. To get these back. So if you're watching this and you're interested in the tours, you can just go up to the Realcom website, click on conference, 
go to tours and sign up for them. Pretty uh, easy. It'll be a, it'll be a blast. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let me get out of your way, do the news and I'll see you in a few. Great. Great. So a couple of news stories from our weekly briefing and it goes out every Thursday morning. So if you don't see it in your inbox it's, and it hasn't gone to spam, just go to realcom.com and click on news. So lead story this week, it's uh, about a podcast entitled, quote unquote, learn from Google. And this is with Kira Dixon and Claire Meredith from Google. And in this podcast, Kira and Claire focus on how Google does its testing and validation on the IoT products they're considering for their campus buildings. Now, if, you, if, you, if you're not aware, Google is continually researching, creating and improving technologies they actually use for operating their vast portfolio of facilities. And in this podcast, Kira and Claire cover how they approach testing, what can make product testing unsuccessful, data validation testing, network and security testing, developing a product testing strategy, as well as the challenge of deploying solutions for large real estate portfolios. Portfolios. This is a critical knowledge for anybody embarking on a smart building initiatives. And as, as an aside, we are honored that both Kira and Claire will also be with us at RealCom in a few weeks presenting on testing IoT devices and data validation in their own sessions. Uh, so thank you, Kira and Claire. Um, since 2012, we've been profiling and showcasing some outstanding smart building uh, uh, campuses and portfolios at the annual conference in our smart building best practice showcase assembled every year by our own Tina Danielson. And this year we're refeaturing Microsoft's Redmond Campus Modernization Project. They started this back in 2017, slated com completion late 2023, and it represents a very significant seven year investment for Microsoft. So they wanted to provide the best employee experience that make people feel amazed to work at micro Microsoft. And they created 3 million square feet of new workplace and amenities, and also renovated a total of 6.7 million square feet of workspace with a huge investment in infrastructure and sustainability. So all their new buildings, they're all energy smart. They use Azure IoT for building system monitoring and energy optimization. Some of the sustainability features include like state-of-the-art all-electric utility plant that's designed to be 50% more efficient than a typical central plant, and it's supplemented by heat recovery chillers and geothermal wells. It's also a zero waste certified campus and it's projected to save about 6 million gallons of water annually. So iconic project, you'll definitely wanna read about it. So uh, also at a very critical time, uh, CEO Sam Altman uh, started testifying yesterday morning before a Senate Judiciary Committee on Privacy Technology in a law called Oversight of AI, Rules of Artificial Intelligence. And if you're not aware, Sam Alt Altman, is the founder and CEO of OpenAI, uh, the uh, mothership for ChatGPT. So folks are worried about how we're gonna regulate AI and the topic's really gone ballistic since the introduction of ChatGPT back in November. And the subcommittee's reviewing uh, proposals now for regulating the highest risk use cases of generative AI, along with those that really home in on bias and discrimination. So just last week, lawmakers in the, in the European Parliament approved the EU AI Act that proposed a risk-based approach to regulation of models like GPT, just to make sure training data doesn't vi violate copyright laws, which a lot of people think may be overly cautious. But, uh, and, and there's a whole new wave of open source LLMs, or uh, large learning modules, and big tech that's concerned about their, their moats, their protection. And there are questions now 
whether Google or OpenAI is ultimately positioned to win this race. So we're just getting started on this adventure, so stay tuned for more. Finally, uh, some innovative building owners are turning to carbon capture to lessen uh, climate change. So an owner of a residential high-rise in Manhattan's Upper West Side, they installed a maze of twisting pipes and tanks that collect carbon dioxide from the massive gas-fired boilers in their basement before it goes to the chimney and is released into the air. It's called carbon capture. And the goal is to stop climate warming gas from entering the atmosphere. So this building's like hundreds of others use these huge boilers that burn natural gas, release CO2, producing about half the building's overall emissions. So this carbon capture trap, uh, traps about 60% of the boiler's emission by diverting the CO2 and other gases from the chimney. And they pipe it into a little room that's been repurposed to house the carbon capture material that separates out the CO2, which they then compress, cool it to minus 10 degrees Fahrenheit and turn it into liquid, then store it in tanks. So the process obviously takes energy, but the ultimately the net carbon savings is pretty significant. So it's still unclear whether carbon capture is going to be recognized by New York City as a qualifying emissions reduction, but a lot of folks are working on it now. So that's it for me. That was a few stories from this week's highlights. Um, have a great weekend, everyone. And back to you, Jim. All right, Howard. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, I mean, the chat GBT conversation not going away anytime soon, ever. Um, we're going to have quite a few conversations, workshops. We're going to go deep into this uh, at the conference. And uh, everybody's got more questions than they got answers at this yeah, point. Yeah, we're actually going to be showcasing a lot of GPT applications for commercial real estate. So yeah. if you're wondering how it can be used, come and see how people are actually using it in their organizations right now. It'll be awesome. Exactly. Yeah, awesome. Howard, thank you so much. Have a great weekend. Be well. Okay. Thanks, Jim. All right. Before I wrap the show and talk about next week, uh, let's hear from our final sponsor, and I'll be right back. Right. Um, well, first of all, thank you to our phenomenal guests, Tina, Kelly, Richard, Jason, and Arnon. Um, sneak peek into some of the most innovative projects going on in Las Vegas, if not the world, um, for as busy as they all are. Just so grateful they are taking the time for today as well as uh, time uh, to host the tour. So thank you for that. Our sponsors and, of course, our uh, Realcom team who makes this happen every week. Next week's a secret. We're not going to tell you um, what we're talking about today. Uh, it's a surprise, and uh, you'll know uh, next week, Friday. Um, but uh, make sure you stay tuned. It's going to be a very exciting and interesting conversation. With that, thank you all. Have a great week, a great weekend, and I'll see you next week on Realcom Live. Be well.